0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you feeling? Wow. Pretty Marvelous. Okay. I'll take that. I feel great. Um, y'all, today has been a day. Uh, if you're at first service, um, our power went out totally. So I was yelling the entire sermon. I was like, What's up, but I got a microphone today. I'll still probably yell, but it won't be because of, no, uh, I just get excited. But I'm Alvin, if you don't know me, my name is Alvin. I'm lead pastor of the church, and um, it is an honor to be here. I'm so glad all y'all came out this morning. very excited for what we have for you today. I do want to honor all of our team that really stepped in and just and was so professional and so positive during the first service in the morning of a lot of things were different. and I just want to give them a hand. The singers, everything went out. They kept singing full on. Becky had the acoustic. It was just, we made it work. And I just love seeing everybody step up whenever unexpected things happen. Matt, you guys up there. And it's just great, it's great. But it was actually perfect for my message. My message is really about how to endure and keep going during like tough situations and when negative things happen. So I just took it as inspiration. For the message we're about to get into. Um, I do want to also congratulate uh, a few members of our music team got to accompany our founding pastor last night at the uh, new soccer stadium. They did the national anthem. It was great. And uh, it was cool, too, because it was packed, it was on, it was on TV, and they are like, C.C. Winans and the Nashville Life worship team. I was like, yeah, Nashville Life Church. We're national. Um, we made it. No, I'm kidding. Uh okay, guys. Let's uh let's get into it. Uh repeat these words after me if you can. The word of God is the bread of life. The word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it. May my heart conceive it. And my life achieve it. May my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so our theme for 2022. Just catching everybody up in case it's been a while or if it's your first time. Or maybe it's just a good reminder. But the theme for the year for our church is withstanding the wind. And it's inspired by a passage in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, where John the Baptist is talking about Jesus. Um, and this is what he says. He says, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And this is a metaphor that, that John is using describing Jesus. And it's highly informative for, for the church. So everyone really lend your ear to, to what God is trying to let us know. He's letting us know how Jesus works. He's letting us know how he's harvesting his people. And it's important for us to understand this so we can interpret uh, the world around us and and how things are happening and how the Lord is actually using it to identify who belongs to him. Um, Scripture makes it very clear that not everybody who says Jesus is Lord actually have made him Lord of their life. Scripture makes it clear that not everybody that's saying it is so, Jesus has an amazing uh, process called winnowing where he allows wind to blow through the harvest, not to damage the harvest, but to identify the harvest. When the winds blow, it challenges those who have been born again, those who have, are following Jesus as Lord, those whose faith is actually in Christ. It it challenges them, but it doesn't blow them away. On the contrary, like chaff, those whose faith isn't in Christ, those who haven't sincerely made him the Lord, the authority in their life, what happens, these winds prove to be too strong for, for those people and it actually causes them to blow away. Scripture says that in the end times, which I'm so confident that we're in, the Bible says that many people are going to fall away. And though that is in the Bible and that's true, there's nothing that we can do to change that. The Bible says it, therefore it is. But what I can do as a pastor and what we can do as a church is make sure that as people come through this ministry, maybe there's a lot less that will be blown away because of because of what we're doing here, because of what we're doing at this church, equipping people to withstand the wind, equipping people to actually put their faith in Jesus, to not just say it, but to actually do it so that when the winds come, we'll find ourselves being still standing even when the wind passes, opposed to being blown away. I don't want anybody being blown away by by the winds that the Lord is going to allow to come through His harvest, I want us to know how to withstand the wind. But nor for us to do that, we have to practice, we have to study, we have to practice, we have to build muscle. Uh, Paul compares it to training, an athlete training Christians. We've got to train, we've got to understand the tools and the muscles that need that are required for us to be able to withstand the different winds of our day. Each month I'm talking about a different wind. And for the month of May, we've been talking about the wind of change. The wind of change. Change is, uh, can be very challenging to our faith. Change can be challenging to our faith. It's a tester of our faith. Any change, even good change. In fact, the first week we covered on how positive changes can potentially challenge our faith if we're not careful. The blessings of God, the the blessings that God actually gives you if we're not careful, we see in scripture that those blessings, those good things that have come from God can actually become distractions from the God that gave you the blessing to begin with. And and so whether it's a a raise, whether it's a promotion, whether it's a family, whether it's new assets, whether it's, it's a healing. It's amazing, as great as blessings are, they have the the possibility and the potential, if we're not careful, to actually distract us and steal us from the very God who gave them. There's a passage where Jesus is giving a parable about a banquet that the Master is inviting all these people to. And the reason why they didn't come was because they were blessed. One person got married, that's a blessing. Another person bought a lot of land, that's a blessing. Another person bought cattle, those are assets, that's a blessing. But because they were so preoccupied with the blessings that they got, they weren't available to to the master who was inviting them to the banquet. So we have to make sure that positive changes in our lives uh, stay in their proper place. There's a passage in Romans chapter 1 that sums this up pretty well. Romans 1 verse 25, it says they, talking about people, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. So it's possible, guys. I know as awesome as that blessing is, and as much as I know that that blessing came from the Lord, it is possible to trade your worship for the thing that God gave you for God himself. And we can't let that happen, guys. We have to make sure that we keep God number one even once we're blessed. So we talked about how blessings and positive changes can be a challenge to our faith today i 'm going to talk a little bit how negative changes can be a challenge to our faith there 's been a lot of change in our world in our lives, and a lot of them haven 't been positive a lot a lot of them hasn 't been positive it's been it 's been you know sickness related when it comes to covid and people in our in the, in the congregation have lost loved ones and lost close friends like a lot of deaths have happened there 's been Deaths to communities and and friendships and relationships because of politics and and racial tensions and 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 finances. There's a lot going on. There's increase in prices and inflation and and people are you know going through a lot of nef- uh, negative things. There's a lot of negative things happening. I mean, just last week hearing about the shooting in in, in Buffalo and and honestly, it's just getting. Tiring. Like every other month that you're hearing about some senseless shooting, even going back to the, the, the bomb. Remember the Oklahoma City bombing? Like that happening. And then, of course, 9-11 and Columbine. Like there's just so much evil happening in the world. There's a lot of evil people doing a lot of evil things and it can weigh on us. But it's important for us to understand As hurtful as this is and as negative as these changes are, they are not new to the world. They are not new to the church. And most importantly, they're not new to God. They're not new for God. I want to let you guys know that the Lord has, has built salvation in a way where it affords and it allots, I should say, for negative things happening in our lives we have to understand that God has allotted for negative changes. And more importantly, what gets me excited when I read the Bible is that we as Christians, we've been born into an amazing heritage of believers who have gone through unbelievable adversity, Negativity that I think exceeds what any of us have experienced. When you read the Bible and you see people, when you see believers weathering storms like like wars, massacres, fatal plagues, like plagues where everyone's being taken out. Persecution of all kinds, genocide, evil kings torturing people. Natural disasters that have wiped out entire cities, and even one disaster that wiped out the whole world. This world and the Word of God is not new to negative things happening, particularly in believers' lives. The Bible is filled with stories of men and women and communities who have seen God sustain them through negative changes. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 19, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. A lot of times we want the scripture to say many are the afflictions of of bad people. But we're talking about the righteous here. We're talking about people who have been saved by God. Whose sins have been washed away. They're white as snow. People who God sees with the same favor that he sees Jesus. People who have been written in the Lamb's book of life. People who have eternity uh, with God as their home. People who are blessed in the city and the field and blessed when they're coming. Blessed when they're going. Like those people. Godly people. The Bible says not only will godly, righteous, favored by God people, not only will they experience some afflictions, but the scripture says they will experience many. It's important for us to understand as a church that good things happen to unrighteous people and bad things can happen to righteous people. Both sides, whether you're a believer or not, you're going to have good things happening in your life and you're going to have negative things happening in your life. And the scripture is there, I think, because Christians often are ill-prepared for misfortune. I think it just really kind of messes our flow up of what our life is because we get saved by Jesus, we encounter his love, his power, we experience the sensitivity to his spirit, that new start, all of the all of the blessings and glory that comes with knowing God and you read scripture after scripture of how he's your defender, how he's your provider, he's your protector he he's He's there whenever you need him. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. There is no condemnation in Jesus. I mean, all these amazing blessings, which are all true. But somehow Christians can struggle. We need to build our skill in being able to know that that's true even while experiencing negative changes in our lives. God's goodness, scripture is very clear that God's goodness does not exempt us from bad things happening. What God promises is that in the midst of those bad things, he will sustain you and he will deliver you from them. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4 through 10. It says, but as servants of God, We commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in affliction, sorry, in affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, the genuine love, by truthful speech in the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left through honor and dishonor through slander and praise we are treated as imposters yet are true as unknown and yet well known as dying and behold we live as punished yet not killed as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the space that Christians are called to. We must learn how to practice and build the skill and build the muscle to go through sufferings yet still understanding how blessed we are. And I know it's not natural for us. We're good at one or the other. We're good at if bad things are going on. God isn't real. I mean, think how many people do we know that we've had conversations with? And it's a classic question if God is real, then how? And they start listing all these horrible things. Then how are babies dying? How are people hungry? How is there murder? If God is real, people don't have the capacity in their own strength to comprehend a good God and bad things happening. I mean, even Christians, we have to stay with it. Some of us question God when we get a flat tire. (laughs) Literally a flat tire. Where is God? I thought he loved me. I thought he was there for me. So guys, if a flat tire is enough to make us start questioning the goodness and existence and active grace and mercy of God, can we honestly say we're at the level where we can be beaten severely? Having nothing. Losing everything and still rejoicing in the goodness of God. And that's the question you have to ask yourself. I can't answer that question for you. And the good news is if you're not there, there is no condemnation. That's why we are here. That's why we read these scriptures to inspire us, to remind us of a standard that we have been invited to. To have an unconditional peace, an unconditional appreciation for God. It's the, guys, you have to understand, there is nothing special in being able to be grateful when things are going well. That's what, heathens do that. Literally, people who don't believe in God know how to be happy when things are going well. The Bible says that Christians are supposed to be a peculiar people. We're supposed to be different and that even in the midst of, of negative things happening. I'm not saying we are supposed to want it to happen. I don't think Paul was wanting to be in prison. I don't think Paul was wanting to be beaten. I don't think Paul was not wanting to eat. He was hungry. At the same time, Christians, we must learn from the word of God. We must learn from Jesus how to both be in a state of suffering, in a state of negative, unfortunate changes, unfavorable seasons, but yet still not let it affect our faith. And trust and belief in the goodness of God. My favorite scripture is Jeremiah 17. I've been saying this probably for about six years now. And it always inspires me. It paints a picture of a man that I want to be. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He, talking about the blessed man, Who trusts in the Lord is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. I can't read that without being inspired because that is, talk about wealth. Talk about having made it to be able to, to be this tree. And let me just describe a little bit of something about trees that I think everybody knows. Trees need rain to live. You got to have water for it to live. And trees are damaged and even killed by extreme heat, God is comparing blessed believers to this tree in Jeremiah 17. And though this tree is blessed, it's experiencing extreme heat, which is supposed to kill it, and an entire drought where there's no rain, which is supposed to kill it. I think it's very interesting that Jeremiah paints the picture of a blessed man as a tree going through extreme heat and experiencing no rain. Basically, the picture that Jeremiah 17 is painting is a blessed man who is experiencing all of the things that are supposed to kill him. All these things that are supposed to totally wipe him out. Both, no rain and extreme heat are harmful and threatening to trees. But this tree is not blessed because it's in a drought. It's not blessed because it's experiencing extreme heat. The tree is blessed because despite these negative things, these negative conditions, his roots are connected to another source. Another source that's giving it all the water it needs and all of the cooling that it needs. So much to where it's able to stay green when it's supposed to be shriveled up and brown, if, not, if no leaves at all. And it's producing fruit where it's supposed to be totally barren. I believe that a person who trusts in the Lord, according to this scripture... The revelation I get from this scripture is that when you trust in the Lord, even in threatening and negative conditions, you will still be hydrated and you will still be cool. I love that. I want that. I believe that the Lord, why do you think Jesus said be anxious for nothing? It is his will that you stay cool, even in the most heated Most pressuring situations, but but not because you're cool, but you have a source of, of water that keeps you cool. This is not about a personality type, this is not about an Enneagram number, this is about a source of life. Too many Christians are diminishing their spiritual calling to their personalities. Well, I'm just this, I'm just this, guys. This, has, this says nothing about personality. This says nothing about your unique design, which you do have, but that, is not apl- that does not apply to this. This is about your source of life. Where are you drawing your source? Is it from the world? Because if it's from the world, the minute the world decides that it does not want to bless you, which it will, you're cool. Because you got another source. You have another supply of water. You have another supply of cooling. And the beautiful thing about it is the picture that I always see whenever I read the scripture is there's a desert and there's all these shriveled up trees. And then there's just one that's just bright green with luscious fruit. Not just kind of like delicious, juicy fruit coming off of the limbs. limbs. And nothing about its surroundings indicate that that's supposed to be happening. A lot of us don't understand that your God that you serve can cause you and uh, uh, enable you to not just survive but to actually thrive in unfavorable conditions. Guys, praise God, it's the unbelievers that need the circumstances to work out. It's the ones without God that are dependent on the circumstances to work out. Let's not be like them in that way. Let's not just be okay when the circumstances are favorable. Please, guys, imagine what kind of testimony is that of God's power where the weather's got to be right and you have to have all the settings that you need and your house has to be the way it is for you to thrive in life. That's an insult to Jesus. It's an insult to the power of God that's supposed to be flowing through your life. No condemnation. But if that's where you're at, guys, we need to start trusting in the Lord. If you can only produce fruit when the conditions are the way you want it to be, you need to ask yourself, am I the person that the Bible is describing that trust in the Lord? Because according to the word, the person who trusts in the Lord is producing fruit regardless of the conditions. And if that's not you, that's why we're here. Guys, this is not a meeting for those who have it all figured out. This is a meeting for those who are pressing towards the mark of the prize and saying, I want to be that guy. I want to trust in God. I want to trust in the Lord. Many of us are in droughts right now. Whatever it is, whether it's financial, whether it's social, whether it's your love life, whether it's, I don't know, your emotions. But the good news is that the Lord has allotted for this. He has created a salvation that knew that this day would come. And he's created a path for you to where your fruit doesn't have to suffer Just because you're suffering. Isn't that cool? You can suffer and your fruit not. I mean, think about Jesus. Look how much fruit came from the worst torture ever. It's the crucifixion that ended up producing the most fruit in his life. And a lot of Christians get surprised when we hear that we are invited to that same path. It is through, how many stories in the room have we heard of testimonies of in the midst of the valley is where they actually realize, oh, my God, I need the Lord. And they were able to, real, because honestly, guys, a lot of us can think that we are trusting the Lord and that our source is God, but sometimes it doesn't really show until there is a drought. Sometimes you don't even really know what you have until the world stops giving you stuff. Which is why the Lord allows it. Because he goes, they actually think that I'm their source right now. They think they depend on me. They think they're leaning on me. So when when opportunities come where he allows certain things that used to support you totally fall through the ground, it's a wake-up call to see, man, where am I? This tree, when, when, when the rain is falling, this is the thing. I got to let y'all know the purpose of the wind, guys. Are y'all cool? Are y'all okay, by the way? All right. Here's the deal, guys. When it's raining and when the temperatures are appropriate for trees, there's a lot of green trees. There's a lot of fruit. You can't tell which one is rooted in God and which one's not. Because the conditions are making sure that everybody has enough. The test doesn't come until the rain stops. You don't know. Think about it. When when all when the rain is falling, all the trees are producing. You don't know which one's in, rooted in Jesus, which one is rooted in the world. But when the world gives out and the rain stops, and you start seeing trees wither, but there's that two, that four, that six are still green. Those are the ones. So the the, the 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 trials, what it does is it reveals who is rooted in Jesus and who is not. That's why the winds are purposeful to Jesus. That's why John says he allows the winds to happen because it shows who's really his. We all can thrive when things are going our way. All of us. All of us can have a smile on our face. But when the rain stops and the heat turns up and you start seeing joy fade, diminish, out, fruit, done, done. You go, oh, it was the circumstances. It was their it was their tax bracket. That was the source of their joy. It was it was it was that. Oh, that was that was the source. But then you see someone without any of it, and fruit is just, it hasn't stopped. You go, oh, they were were rooted in something else. So allow the Lord to do work. Some of you guys, you were in that moment, and I promise you, the Bible says you can rejoice in all things. I think even if you are realizing that the supply that you've been depending on is of the world, that's good news because it gives you a chance to get it right. The Lord is so good, he doesn't want us... Mistakenly going through seasons thinking that we're rooted in the Lord and we're just rooted in our emotions and in our circumstances. So he allows things to be shaken. Jesus says, I will shake all things. The Lord says, I will intentionally shake all things because whatever is rooted will still be standing. So the Lord, and and this is just the way he does it. If certain things are not rooted, Jesus does this on purpose sometimes. He allows these things to happen. Because it ends up showing him who's rooted in him and who's not. And some of y'all might not like that he does that, but that's between you and him. But he does. That's between, that's not, that's y'all's journey. That's your journey. Praise God. last scripture, Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. And many of you guys are familiar with this. Some of you guys aren't. It's really good if you're not. I'm happy I get to introduce you to this. Um, Jesus says in verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Hallelujah, right? We're all staying on the rock. Praise God. But verse 25 says, and the rain fell and the floods came. Sounds like a negative situation. A negative situation hit that house. And then the winds blew and beat on that house. Another negative situation hit that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, on the contrary, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So he's got a house too. And the rain fell and the floods came. Negative situations hit that house. And when the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell, and not only did it fall, it says, and great was the fall. It was a disastrous fall. It wasn't like just a slip. It was a big fall. So you see the same analogy that I was talking about before, but now it's with houses. You got two houses. In my opinion, both houses look good. When I envision that I see both houses look fine. To the naked eye. You're like, boom, two houses. But you don't realize the foundation of each house until both are hit with negative stuff. When this house was built, you don't know the foundation. That's the thing. You don't even know the foundation. But if you don't even know the foundation, you just see two houses. And then you both get hit with two storms. And you end up seeing that the one that was built on the foundation of the rock is the one that's still standing. So there's a lot to pull from this. There's a lot of revelation that you guys will get that I probably won't even cover from this scripture, however it applies to your life. And I praise God for whatever God shows you. But what I see is that negative things happen to both houses. It doesn't matter if your foundation is Jesus; you will go through some things you don't like, and according to Scripture, you'll go through a lot of them. But the beauty of it, the reason why we're still somehow able to rejoice in it, because there's purpose in it. That negative thing—if you are built on the house, if you're built on the rock—which is basically too—I love Jesus. He he makes it very clear. I'm not just talking about people who hear what I'm saying. I'm hearing about people who do what I'm saying. Like he says, people who—and that's another thing too, man. I didn't even—I didn't even think about this. Both houses are described as people who heard the word. He's talking about us, guys. He's talking about churchgoers. Like he's talking about people who hear the words of Jesus. We're hearing the word right now, but Jesus knows. That not everybody who hears what he's saying is going to do it. And he makes it very clear that if you're only coming and you're only hearing and you're only saying amen and you're only taking notes, you will not see the results that the Lord is inviting you to. He goes, the results I'm talking about only comes to those who are hearing it and then do what I'm saying. Have to make that very clear. Again, I I want to set your expectations. I don't want anybody in here who just attends and then they're confused when they don't see the stability in their life. I don't want you guys to be, I want you guys to go go oh, yeah this, this I'm not stable because I'm not doing it. That's how I am. Like if I I just if if it's if, if I'm not producing fruit I'm like cuz I'm cuz I'm not doing right. I just think it's healthy to realize, man, I'm not doing it as opposed to God's not real. God's not faithful. He makes it very clear. If you don't do what I say, you won't get the results. You will not build the stability that I'm calling you to. So don't, Jesus is like, don't blame me. I'm telling you that if you do it, you will be stable. If you don't do it, you won't be. Negative things hit both houses. But the beauty of the house that's on the rock is that it's still standing. And the way I see it, this is not in scripture, this is my own thing. But like I believe, when I think of those two houses, let's say those houses—those let's say those houses are next to each other—and this is the beauty of the kingdom of God. Let's say you got a house on the foundation of the rock, and then you got a house that's on the sand. And this house is still standing, and this house crumbles. The house that was built on the sand—they're gonna need shelter. And I love the idea that the person who doesn't have shelter because their house fell down can depend. And come to the house of people who are doing the word of God. Guys, for those of you who are actually obedient to Jesus, you have a role. You have a role. You have a role to play. There are people who need shelter. There are people who need help. I have a growing, starting last week, obviously I'm always trying to win the lost. I'm always trying to get those who aren't saved or those who aren't following Jesus. Into obedience, but I'm starting to even grow a a refreshed heart for those who are. For those of you who are that house and you're standing and you're obedient to the Lord, I just believe that there is purpose for you. People need you. People need to learn how to stand in the midst of of horrible situations. People need to know how you're still standing today. I want to just honor you guys. And challenge you guys to to give back and to look out, even in the congregation, people that might not just be as stable. Show some love to them. Invite them over to to your house. Their, Their house is a mess. Invite them to yours. So they can learn. And then, therefore, they can make their house stable. And they can invite people to theirs. The kingdom of God is amazing. But we just have to remember that both houses got the storm. The promise is that you won't go through the storm. The promise is that you will still stand after it. And the fruits and the result of your life will inspire other people. They're going to wonder, it hasn't rained in three years. How are you still producing those apples? And they're sweet too. <laughs> and they're juicy. They're so red. How did you do that? Oh, well, you know, I started trusting God. How did I thought I thought I was trusting God. I, I, I don't have that. Oh, well, I thought I was trusting God too. But then I realized I was, and I was putting a lot of trust in, in man and in money, and I, oh my God let me let's talk let's let's get together that's how the kingdom of god happens man everything about your life says you're supposed to be dead right now how are you starting another you're starting another business how are you like what start trusting god really well i mean i trust god well let's talk about it let's compare notes it's very it's it's spiritual but it's very practical guys i promise you when you're producing fruit in a drought, you're not going to have to work too hard to start conversations. We're in a day and age right now to simply be happy makes you an alien. Yeah. To have a sincere joy in your heart is enough to make go. He people go, what are you eating? Like, guys, that's how jacked up society is right now. To, genu- to have self-confidence is like... Who are you and where are you from? So for those of you who are trusting God, you're not going to have to work too hard to get some coffee dates, to get some lunches. People are going to say, there's something about you. So be encouraged. For those of you who are like, how do I find them? They'll find you. It's, it's easy to find a luscious tree in the middle of a desert. Our world is a desert right now. There is despair and discouragement and addiction and no morals everywhere. The status quo is just, I mean, even within the body of believers, guys, compromise has become the new status quo. Worldliness is on a rampage to the church. People are trusting in their soul rather than the spirit of God. I touched on this in the first service, and I want you guys to understand, there's a difference between the soul and the spirit. But you can, it's easy to confuse them because they're both kind of in the unseen space. And the enemy knows this. And if he knows that we as the people of God are so unspiritual, to where we all he has to do to, is to appeal to our soul and say things that make our emotions respond, he deceives us. And it can be very scary. I, sometimes I struggle to know the difference. I'm like, Lord, is this, but that's where the word of God comes in. The word of God is your help. The Bible says that the word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it has the ability to divide the soul and the spirit. So what seems blurry to us, some of us don't know what's our soul and what's the spirit and what's our intuition and what's discernment. You know, because intuition and discernment are not the same thing. Your gut and the Holy Spirit are not the same thing. Some of us are soulish and we think we're spiritual and we're soulish. And we're like, ooh, I just just," trust your gut. Ah! That's not the scripture. <laughs> Follow your heart. Oh, no, that's not the scripture. We have, to, we have to be trained. The Bible says we have to be trained to know the difference between our soul and our spirit because we as Christians cannot afford to be soul-led. That's what nonbelievers do. All they have is their soul. They have their senses. They have their feelings. We have been given the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says we have to be led by him. And he is not the same as our soul, despite what what humanism tries to tell us. Humanism says that the soul is divine in itself. And the soul and the spirit are the same thing. So basically, we all have divineness in us because we have a soul. That's humanism. And there's a lot of Christians who are going down that path because it's empowering and it makes you feel good about yourself. And Christians, people love feeling good about themselves. And I love feeling good about myself, but not at the expense of repentance. Don't feel so good about yourself that you don't repent. Don't be so happy with yourself to where there's no conviction to change. We are setting a stage in the church where everybody is being trained to feel so good about themselves to where there's no conviction to make a change. And it's from Satan. It's a doctrine of demons. It makes you feel so content with who God has created you to be right now to where there's no drive to turn to Jesus. Beware of a contentment and a self-happiness that negates repentance and conviction. The Bible says that when people respond to Christ, they're supposed to be cut to the heart. There's supposed to be a cutting that happens. There's supposed to be an ouch that happens. Beware of a, of a Christian environment where there's no ouch. The Bible says the word of God keeps us from being deceived, it will let you know what is your soul, and it will let you know what is the spirit of God. Because contrary to humanism, they are not the same. I'm not sure if no one told you, but the soul and the spirit are not the same. And the only thing that can tell you the difference is the Bible. The word of God is the only thing that will train you to know the difference between what is coming from your soul and what is from the spirit of God. That was not in my notes. But it's important because here's the deal, guys, that when when negative things happen, that's when we're vulnerable. Praise God. I'm tying it back into the message. When negative things go on in your life, you're very vulnerable. And when we're in pain... It's human instinct to want to feel better, which is why addictions are so successful. Because it makes you feel better. Even though it's killing you, it just at least alleviates the pain for a bit. And humans are suckers for it. We love it. So when we're, when we're hurt or when we're disappointed, guys, That's when we that's what we have to keep. That's what we have to learn from Paul and stay rejoicing in the Lord. We can't afford to wallow because all we need is a little serpent to sneak into the room and go, I know how you feel. You do, yeah. You want to feel better? Yeah. Well, let's do this and let's do that. And next thing you know, you've you've made a soul decision to alleviate your senses and your feelings opposed to the spirit of God would just saying, crucify yourself, <laughs> crucify your flesh. You're like, you don't want to hear that. And that's the thing, we're very vulnerable when we go through negative things in our lives. So for those of you who are in a rough patch, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. You don't have as much time as you think to sit in the place that will not speak to your spirit and, and cause you to, that, that, that spring to, to well up in you, the, the life of God. Almost like when, when they clear and they put it on your chest in the, in, the, in the hospital, the Holy Spirit will give this jolt in your life and you'll find yourself living out of His spirit, out of His life. Negative changes are beneficial. And I'm not saying you're supposed to want them. I don't want negative things to happen in my life just so you know. Please don't think that I'm looking for negative things to happen in my life. That's a different thing. That's, that's something else. We are not, but, but when they happen, we have to learn to see the purpose behind it and to trust the process and trust the God of that process. The point of the story is, guys, there's a higher standard that you are invited to. There is a higher way of living. There is a higher way of thinking that you are invited to. And Jesus says, if you say yes, if you choose to, to step out with me, I will show you how to do it. He says, put on my yoke. Link up with me. Let's walk closely together. Let's, let's, I'm going to tie what I have around my back on yours. And we'll walk together. And I'll show you. How, how to navigate that situation. You got laid off, man, I know. But there's one way to deal with it and then there's another. This is how I dealt with it when I, when I was rejected. You did what? Yeah. Okay. Try it. Oh. Wow, that worked. You experienced betrayal. Someone betrays you. Someone that you really love and that you trusted. And your soul is saying, handle it, handle it this way. But Jesus goes, I can show you how I did it when I was rejected and I was, when I was betrayed. I, I prayed for them. You did what? I prayed blessings for them. I blessed them. You did, oh, okay. Okay. Let's go. And you bless them and you see, oh, my gosh. And then you just start seeing. When negative things hit your way, you'll start seeing them as an opportunity to run to Jesus and go, Jesus, how should I handle this? And I promise you, there is not a single negative situation. I know this is a bold statement. There is not a single situation negative that you can ever go through that scripture has not given you uh, guidance on how to sustain And not only how to sustain, but according to Jeremiah 17, how to still produce beautiful fruit. And and though as much as I don't like this truth, I, I, I thank God for it, some fruit can only be produced in negative situations. Certain things can't be revealed unless through a misfortune. The good news is that we have an example named Jesus who went through the worst of the worst situation. The worst. I'm not diminishing any hardships in this room, but I can guarantee you the hardship that you're going through is not as great as what Jesus endured on the cross. And I say that again, not to disrespect you, but to let you know that, man, I have someone that went before me that conquered way worse. And he is inviting me to live with him and to be a disciple and to be trained so I can learn how to go through the things in my life. Jesus says, I will give you everything you need for this life. I will show you how to handle the good times well, because you can mess up those good times too, and I'll show you how to handle the bad times well, and I'll make it to where you're unconditionally well. Man, the devil's like, man, I throw blessings, I throw, I throw curses, and he's still thriving. When he's doing well, he's still thriving. When I, You, you, you want to reach that level where it doesn't matter if it's wintertime. You're grateful. Springtime, I'm grateful. Summertime, it's hot, but I'm grateful. Autumn, I'm grateful. I'm blessed. I'm producing fruit. I'm loving my neighbor. If you're nice to me, I love you. If you're not nice to me, I love you. You know, unconditional. Is this the fourth week? We still have another week. This is next week is June. We have one more, sweet, sweet. <laughs> I was gonna be like, well, guys, let's close this closes up the change series, but we got another one. Um, I really believe in what I'm saying, and I really believe that the scriptures have given us the entire plan, the entire manual. So, uh, if nothing else, guys, I hope this is a a drive to get into your word, the word will show you everything you need to know about what you're going through right now. I'm going to pray. Father, we love you, we honor you, we thank you for your spirit, we thank you for your word. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the word um, will do its work in the hearts of every person who's here. God, I know that there are a lot of people here who are going through um, some negative changes in their lives, some, some, some situations that are unfavorable, situations they would have never picked for their lives or for their, their families. But God, as much as you empathize with us and you can feel their pain. Lord, I pray that this message reminds them that this didn't catch you by surprise and it doesn't have to lower the quality of of their lives, their relationships with you, the fruit and impact of their lives. Lord, to anyone here who's discouraged, who thought that because that situation happened, Or because that change happened in their life that you can't use them anymore or you can't bless them or they can't really be who you called them to be anymore. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this message reminds them that that's not true. There is no situation that you haven't already overcome. There is no change that you didn't see coming. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be like that tree in Jeremiah 17, that even though negative situations are happening around us, certain provisions and things that we're used to depending on might not be there right now. God, but I thank you that if we trust in you, our leaves will stay green. Fruit will continue to produce, and Lord, it will bring much glory to you and fulfillment to us, God. Lord, I pray, God, that everybody in this room would understand that your calling for their life is bigger than just them. Lord, Lord, I just prophesy in the name of Jesus. That as the people in this room learn to trust you and learn to produce fruit in the midst of negativity, in the midst of their trial or their drought. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the fruit on their lives and the results on their lives would inspire someone next to them that would like to develop that trust in you. Lord, there's people in our lives that are not in this room that are longing to have a life like this where they can produce fruit and sustain and to stay strong, and to stay vibrant in all seasons, in all conditions. God, so use us in this room to develop that so that others can learn how. And step into that same truth. And Lord, in Jesus' name, all over this city, we'll see trees of righteousness. All over this city, no matter what comes, good or bad, to Nashville, we'll see trees that are still producing fruit. That's your vision for this city. So there be people who know how to withstand the wind of change, even when it's bad. We pray this in Jesus' name, God. Amen. I want to ask everyone to stand. Really quickly, I would like for all of us to just address God together in a time of prayer. This time is going to be an invitation for those who want to put their trust in Jesus. If you want a life like that Jeremiah 17 description, it's yours to have. It's yours to have. And it starts by putting your trust in God through Jesus Christ. And he goes, if you follow me and allow me to develop you, I will, I will change your life. That's what Jesus says. I will change your life. So repeat this, these words after me. Let's all say it together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's make a sound of Thanksgiving celebration. The good news of Jesus. God is good. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Let's praise God for his word. Let's praise God for salvation. God, you're good. God, we honor you. We're grateful, Lord. We praise you. We're about finished. If you said yes to Jesus, congratulations. Uh, I would love for you all to um, follow through with us with a couple more steps. We've got a prayer team that's going to be here. They'll be here to pray for you. we just love to encourage you. It's exciting to come to Jesus and exciting to start a life with the church. And we would love to pray with you. You can also text us, text the word BELONG to 77411. We can get you connected that way. Um, if you said yes to the Lord, we want to we know. And there's no shame. It's only excitement and, and happiness and open arms. So text us, let us know, or come for prayer. We got Shonda and Rob here and let's see if you would like to give thank you in advance you can text nashville life to that same number or our finance team will have some buckets in the back and they'll be happy to help you out there we appreciate anything and uh today was a great day i'm so happy y'all came and uh, i'm grateful for the word i want to pray and dismiss us and have a great rest of the afternoon uh, father we bless you god we thank you for your love I pray, Lord, for the word of God that we heard would uh, get into our hearts to where we can actually do the word. God, I pray, Lord, that we would have action after this service, Lord. And that action would not only bless us, but it will bless people in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a good afternoon, y'all. I love you.